Well, today is going to be the last message in our fall series on the New Testament book of Galatians. And for six weeks, uh, we've taken a closer look at some of the main themes throughout this incredible letter uh, that Paul wrote. We've talked about uh, what it means to be freed by the gospel, what it means to be freed by the gospel. We said that uh, the gospel is the good news, uh, that God has entered the world in Jesus Christ to achieve a salvation that we could not achieve for ourselves. That's the good news. And the churches throughout Galatia, many of them, had allowed a false gospel to make its way into the church. And this particular false gospel uh, taught justification through faith and works. Uh, A lot of these Jewish Christians were saying, it's great to believe in Jesus, you should definitely do that, but you also have to work and earn God's favor. You have to do things, say the right words, uh, do the right things from an outward appearance to earn God's favor in your life. And this this is a false gospel. So we talked about how the true gospel uh, teaches us that we are justified. We are made right with God by God's grace through faith in Jesus. You see, friends, there's nothing that we can do to earn God's love. There's nothing that we can do to earn God's favor. There's nothing that we can ever do to earn God's grace and forgiveness in our lives. And then in week two, we talked about how Jesus came with a specific mission and a specific purpose. And when you and I are freed by the gospel, just like the apostle Paul talks about in his own life, we too are given a new mission and a new purpose in life. See, the God of the Bible is a God of second chances. Regardless of our past, um, there's always grace and forgiveness available in Christ. Amen? And when we trust in Jesus, uh, God gives us a new purpose and a new mission in life. And that purpose includes, and this is so amazing, it includes God using all of our story. All of our story. The, the good, the bad, the ugly all of our story, to help point other people to Jesus. We've also taken some extra time, because it's needed, and it's the purpose of Galatians, really. We've taken some extra time to clarify how God's grace in our lives and our faith in Jesus is the only way that we can be saved. You see, when we begin to lose sight of this, this foundational truth, it's easy to start going down a similar path that many of the churches in Galatia went down, uh, the path of legalism and the path of license. These are two words that we've talked about quite a bit over the past few weeks, legalism and license. And when we look at scripture, we see that legalism is, is working within our own power to earn God's favor. It's saying, yes, I believe in Jesus and I believe in the grace of God and, and I believe that I'm called to trust in Jesus, but we also weasel things in there to try to add to the story. We try to add to what Jesus has already accomplished on the cross, and and we can't. And then license is on the other end of the spectrum, and this makes its way into churches as well. License is living however we want to live because we think we're just covered under God's grace. And again, God's grace is always available. His forgiveness is always available. But when we live that way, when we live however we want to live, we're living by our own sinful nature, and we're not being led by the Holy Spirit. We're, 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 We're saying that God's grace really doesn't matter. We're misusing God's grace. So both legalism and license uh, run contrary to God's design 
Because one, legalism, trying to earn God's favor through works, it denies the necessity of Christ's work on the cross. And two, license, living however we want to live, denies the Holy Spirit's leading in our lives. And finally, we've talked about the wonderful truth of what it means to be adopted into God's family. See, because of Jesus, God looks at our lives with all of our faults, with all of our failures, and he offers us his free gift of grace and forgiveness. God's word tells us that when we receive God's grace through faith in Jesus, we're welcomed into God's family as adopted sons and daughters. What an amazing truth. See, God can rescue us from our past, and he can give us a hope and a future that is far greater than we can ever imagine. Well, as Paul nears the end of his letter, he makes a profound statement. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, it's a verse that we read last week, he reminds his readers that they are free in Christ for a very specific purpose. See, the purpose for their freedom and for our freedom when we're in Christ is to serve one another in love. That's one of the main purposes of living a life of freedom in Christ. It's to serve one another in love. Paul says that the entire law can be summed up in this one command. So Galatians 5.13, this is what we read. It says, For you have been called to live in freedom. There, there is this direct calling of God on your life to live in freedom. My brothers and sisters, he says, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to do what? What's the word there? Serve. serve. Use your freedom to serve one another in love. See, according to this verse, as well as other passages throughout the New Testament, you and I are granted freedom in Christ for a very specific purpose. And that purpose is to serve one another in love. See, God's word teaches us that Christian freedom isn't freedom to do whatever we want to do. That's being led by our sinful nature. But instead, freedom in Christ is freedom to be led by the Holy Spirit to do what we ought to do. To live the life that God has called us to live in accordance with his word. I I believe that if we're going to understand what it means to truly serve others in love, we have to look to the only perfect example that we have of what it means to serve others. And love. So if you're taking notes this morning, the first point that we're going to talk about today is this, that our first example, our first example in how we should serve others is found in Jesus. Our first example in how we should serve others is found in Jesus. In the book of Mark chapter 10, there's an incredible passage of scripture um, where Jesus is having a dialogue with a few of his disciples and then the other disciples decide to chime in on what's happening. And it's in this dialogue that we really see the heart of God and we see the purpose that God has called us to to serve others in love. John chapter 10 verses 35 through 45, these are the words that we read. It says, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over to speak with him. So they're talking to Jesus. Uh, Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. Now, I don't think that's how you should probably approach Jesus, right? (laughs) Asking him to do something for you. What is your request? He asked. And they replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, 
We want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Oh, yes, they replied, we, we are able. They're pretty, pretty full of themselves at this point. And then Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with the baptism of suffering. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. God has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. So then it says, when, when the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. And this word in the Greek is a verbal kind of anger. All right? They weren't happy about this. So Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people. And officials flaunt their authority over those under them. He's saying people in positions of authority and places of honor, they typically take advantage of other people. But listen to this church. He says, but among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Last week, we were reminded about some of the ugly works of the flesh that Paul lists in Galatians chapter 5. And the list that the Apostle Paul gives is a reminder to us what our lives will look like when we follow the desires of our own sinful nature, as opposed to living a life that is led by the Holy Spirit, keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. I went back and looked at this list this week because included are the words selfish ambition. You'll find that in Galatians 5, selfish ambition. So selfish ambition is really the opposite of compassion. It's the opposite of serving. And I believe it's what we see at this point in time from James and John in this particular passage in Mark 10. See, compassion and serving others is all about giving up my wants to meet someone else's needs. And I think that can look um, a lot of ways on a very practical level, but also in a group setting like what we see in this, this text. But compassion and serving others is all about giving up my wants, the things that I think that I want, that I think that I need, giving those up to meet the needs, the actual needs of someone else. See, the disciples, like most people in Jesus' day, from time to time, had the wrong idea about who Jesus really was. They had the wrong idea about what his mission was all about, what God's kingdom would look like, and how we're called to serve others as we follow the example of Jesus. See, they believed that Jesus had come to establish an earthly kingdom that would free Israel from Rome's oppression, and that Jesus would take his rightful place on this earthly physical throne. They really believed that. James and John, they wanted honored places in this earthly kingdom. They wanted to be recognized. They wanted to sit at the right and the left of Jesus. But when you read the New Testament and the Old Testament as a whole, you, give, you walk away with the truth that God's kingdom is a little different from what these early disciples believed. 
His kingdom is in the hearts and in the lives of his people. See, while a few of these disciples wanted a position of prominence in God's kingdom, and I'll be honest, I don't know if I would have responded any differently. I, I might have been like James or, or John and run to the front of the line and, and ask God to give me something that really wasn't mine to have. I probably would have led from an opposite place of compassion and, and, and service. But Jesus takes the opportunity to reveal uh, the true reason for why he came. And he starts to talk about his true mission and what compassion and serving others really should look like in our lives. What it should look like for the church. So Mark chapter 10, verses 42 through 45, he says, Jesus called them together. This is a, this is a deep moment, all right? This is one of G- Jesus' deep illustrations here. I say it's deep because it's really not that deep. <laughs> he says, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. We, we experience that almost every day in our, in our places of work, families, when we interact with people. He says, but among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. And then he says, for even the Son of Man came not to to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. There are two words that stand out to me here, and it's the word serve and, and ransom. And I want to take just a few moments to talk about those because it's important. See, in serving others, Jesus met needs in whatever community he was a part of at the time. He put the needs of others first in his day-to-day ministry. He prayed for the physical and spiritual needs of others. He healed people, and he was patient. He was patient with those who were truly looking for hope. In fact, I believe in the life of Jesus, his character was everything that we see in the second list that Paul gives us in Galatians 5. So the first list is the ugly works of the flesh. We don't see any of that in the life of Jesus. But the second list is the fruit of the Spirit. In Jesus, we have a perfect example of love. We have a perfect example of joy, of peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. All the characteristics that we talked about last week that the Holy Spirit wants to grow in our own lives. So Jesus came to serve, but he also came to give his life as a ransom. That's that second word that really stands out to me. A a ransom, they they would have understood this when Jesus was saying this, because a ransom was the price that had to be paid to release a slave. And it's at this point, I think, that we start to connect the dots for this series. See, this is what we've been talking about all throughout this six weeks, all throughout this series on Galatians. Because before a person trusts in Jesus, they are a slave to sin. They're a slave to the law. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, we read these words. It says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. You see, Jesus was, was crucified, buried, and raised from death so that we could be free from sin and from a long list of human laws and human regulations that really don't give us a picture of the heart of God. Again, this truth has been our main theme throughout this study that you and I are set free to live free. We're, we're free in Christ. Again, it's not freedom to do whatever we want to do, but freedom to be led by the Holy Spirit, to grow in the fruit of the Spirit, 
and to serve others in love. Freedom to do what we ought to do. And now that we're free, if you're in Christ, our first example for how we should serve others in love is found in Jesus. That is always our first example. And that goes back to the things we've talked about all year. What it means to be a follower of Jesus. What it means to be a disciple of Jesus. If you're a disciple, that means that you learn from Jesus to live like Jesus. It's reading about the life and ministry of Jesus' life, learning from him to live like him. We learn how Jesus loved others, and then we do the same. We learn how Jesus had compassion for others, and we do the same. We learn how Jesus served others well, and we do the same. Our first example in how we should serve others is found in Jesus. The second point that I want to talk about this morning is this, that living in freedom means serving others well. Living in freedom means that we serve others well. In Galatians chapter 6, Paul gives us an example of what serving others should look like. And he does so, I love this, he does so within the context of Christian community. So he starts with, I believe, what should be our foundation. He starts with how the church comes together and does life together. He starts within the context of Christian community. And while there are so many ways that we can serve, We've got people serving on the worship team this morning. We've got people serving in our children's ministry, leading Sunday school classes, leading ministries all throughout the week. These things are amazing, and we should do these things. While there's so many ways that we can serve, what Paul mentions towards the end of his letter serves as the foundation for the church because it highlights a need that God has given us. It's a need that we have for Christian community. See, you and I were created with the need for relationship and with the need to serve each other. In our current Wednesday night classes, we've got two classes going on right now for adults, but one of them, we're talking about community. And we're talking about how it's impossible to grow spiritually if you're not connected relationally to other Christians. That's just how God has designed us. It's impossible to grow spiritually if you're not connected relationally to other believers. Part of, of being connected relationally to other Christians and building healthy relationships is learning to serve one another in love. Let's look what, what Paul has to say about this. And there's some, some challenging verses just in the first part of Galatians chapter 6. So Galatians 6 verses 1 through 3. This is what we read. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. And then in verse 2, Paul says, share each other's burdens. Share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. And then verse 3, I love this verse. I feel like this would be a funny bumper sticker or like a life verse or something you, you know, put on the wall in your house when people come in. It says, if you think you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. <laughs> Imagine putting that on the sign out in front of our, our, our church, you know. <laughs> Galatians 
If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. By the way, join us on Sunday morning. <laughs> we, we love to come together and worship together. You know, it's, I just think that'd be hilarious. Paul does have a sense of humor. You know, a key part of, of serving, a key part of serving, and I would say maybe even the foundation of serving, is learning to share your struggles and burdens with the people who are willing to walk with you through life's storms. This is a truth that's mentioned numerous times throughout the New Testament. In fact, part of the purpose of the early church was to come together and share each other's burdens. Now, when you hear that word share, we're reading it from the NLT. In the Greek, it's more accurately translated as the word carry or bear. So I believe we should say carry each other's burdens or or, uh, or bear each other's Burdens. See, to, to share each other's burdens is not simply showing up to a group, uh, sharing your struggles and, and your burdens, and then saying, you know, I'm really sorry that you're going through that. that. That can be a first step, and praying for people can be a first step, but that's not what Paul's talking about here. To, to carry or, or bear each other's burdens is to help literally carry the load, is to walk with another person through life's storms. It's praying with them through a season of difficulty, serving the needs that they have, being there to meet their needs. And I believe we struggle with this kind of serving, um, not only in our church, but in the American church. I think we struggle with this because we've been brought up in a culture that values self-sufficiency higher than just almost anything else. But today, we have to be reminded that the Christian life was never meant to be a solitary life. It was never meant to be a solitary faith. You know, when I hear people talk about their their personal faith, far too often I, I hear them talk about it as though it's this personal or private thing that's meant to be locked up and never seen of or spoken of again. It's like it's my faith. And yes, there are private aspects of our faith. But our faith is meant to be lived out in a public way so that others would see Jesus, so that others can experience God's love and grace in their own lives. And maybe today you'd say, well, I'm just kind of a private person. That's why God's given us the Holy Spirit. We're not alone. It doesn't fall on my shoulders. God wants to give me the strength and, and the power to live life in the community of other believers. And part of that means sharing burdens with one another. It doesn't mean coming up on Sunday morning and blurting out everything that's going on in your lives. I don't believe that's what Paul's talking about. You know, when you join a small group, you get connected with others, you begin to develop those relationships. And Paul is saying, when you're connected to other believers, part of growing spiritually is being connected relationally. And maybe today you would say, I just haven't grown spiritually in a while. And I hear it all the time, not not just with with our church, but definitely with other churches as well, that we we tend to put that on other things. Like, well, the music just wasn't good today, or the preaching just really didn't hit home today, or, you know, things just aren't the way that I would like them to be at church. And every single time, when when I begin to ask the deeper question, it traces back to one or two things. Are you in God's word? And are you connected with other Christians? And if one of either two of those responses is is no, 
that's where we need to start. We've got to be connected relationally with other people. Life happens in groups. We've, we've talked a lot lately about the growth groups and the Sunday school classes being so important in our church. I believe that when you commit to being part of a group, you, you start to learn together, yes. But that head knowledge turns into wisdom how we live it out. It's not just what we learn, it's how we learn to apply it to our lives, and that's, that's wisdom, that's living out God's promises and God's truths in our lives. So, so we learn together, we grow together, we pray for one another in groups. We serve together, and you learn to serve one another by bearing each other's burdens. I want to tell you about a young man this morning, his name's Michael. Um, I, f- I forgot his last name. Uh, that happens sometimes. I have a bad memory. But uh, Michael today would be in his late 20s. And I first met Michael when I was serving on staff at Westmore Community Church um, in Oklahoma City. Uh, it's a church of a thousand people or so, sometimes more, sometimes a little less. So you have kind of your pocket of, of close uh, Christian friends. And then every Sunday you're seeing new people. And that's how I met Michael. I was greeting people out in the lobby, and Michael walked through the doors on a Sunday morning. And I'll be the first to admit, I think I judged this guy before even saying a word to him like most of the people in the room did. He walked in with um, cornrows in his hair, tattoos up his neck, um, a long black coat on, and uh, a group of guys that were standing, I believe, I I remember this like it was yesterday, just off to my left, they walked up to him, I think 75% out of fear that this guy was going to do something, you know, to the church on Sunday morning. But then slightly out of excitement, because here's someone that they believe was there for a reason. You see, Michael had just lost his son. Um, He wasn't married. He lost his job. He was struggling with uh, addiction. And he was there because he had nowhere else to go. He was looking uh, for hope. And he knew that that Westmore Community Church was a place that he could go and uh, come as he he was. You know, that was kind of the, the message. And that's the message that we see in Scripture. And what I saw over about a two-month period really changed my perspective on what it means uh, to serve others, to bear burdens with other people. So Michael had all these things going on, and this group of guys just surrounded him. Um, They would help pick him up and bring him to church. They would help pay for his gas, certainly talk to him after church all the time about what was going on in his life. And I noticed a change in Michael from week to week. So for a few week period, he would sit uh, in the very back of the room. A couple guys would sit with him and he would sit the entire time during service. The music was, man, the music was hopping. The preaching was great. I wasn't preaching. And uh, (laughs) he'd just kind of have his head down, but he was there. And for some people, that's the first step. The first step isn't jumping in and serving right away. For some people, they just need to be with the people of God for healing. Amen? And that's okay. But I noticed a change in Michael. A couple weeks later, his head was up. And then a couple weeks later, he was standing up. And then a couple weeks later, he was singing the words that were on the screen. A couple weeks later, he was asking more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And a couple weeks later, he made the decision to believe in Jesus And he was baptized into Christ on a Sunday morning. He came up out of the water. The entire church witnessed this. And his life was forever changed. Because the people of God surrounded him. Served him. Loved him. Helped bear his burdens. Helped carry the load. It's a lot like when you go to the airport and the guys come and they grab your luggage. And you really don't want them to grab it because it's going to cost you something. Right? 
Sometimes we don't want to let go of the things that we're carrying, but we need to because it's helpful. I know with a family of six, it's helpful for those guys to help carry the luggage. (laughs) You're here this morning, and regardless of where you're at in your faith journey, it is helpful for other people to help carry the load. See, living in freedom, it means serving others well. One of the ways that we can serve others well is by caring or bearing each other's burdens. And the scripture tells us when the Holy Spirit leads our lives, we're, we're going to love and serve others well. That's what we're going to be known for as the church. And we do this for a number of reasons. I think the first reason is because God loves us. God loves us. And it's because of his love and the gift of faith that he has given us, we can love him back. And now we can love others. And two, another reason, it's because God's word instructs us to. It's not something that maybe we should do. For Christians, serving others is what we should do. It's a command from Jesus. But there's another reason that that God gives us for why we should serve one another uh, through bearing each other's burdens. And that leads us to the last point for today, if you're taking notes. I think this is the most important The last point for today is this, that God is glorified when we love and serve others well. God is glorified when we love and serve others well. John 13 verse 35 is a verse that we read last week, but it needs to be read again. John says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. He says, by this, if you have love for one another. And remember back to last week, the kind of love that John talks about, and the kind of love that Paul talks about throughout the, the, the letters to the churches isn't a love of, of just feelings, but it's a love that's lived out through our actions, through the way that we sacrifice our time, our treasure, our gifts to serve other people. When we purposefully serve others well, when we thoughtfully serve others well, prayerfully serve others well, they're going to recognize just naturally that we are different. Maybe they'll start asking questions of why are you so different? They're going to recognize that you belong to Jesus. They're going to have a clearer picture of who Jesus is. I think it's interesting to me that John doesn't say, that the world will know that we are Jesus' disciples by how well we follow his commands. Now, we know that's important. We know that being a follower of Jesus, um, we show our love for Jesus by how we follow his commands. But that's not how the world is going to know that we're Christians. John doesn't even say that they're going to know that we're disciples of Jesus by how much we know. Sometimes, and, and this is just my own opinion, but sometimes I think we need to kill how many you know, study groups we have just to, just to study the Bible. Because I think if, if we spend all of our time studying, there's no time left to apply it and live out our faith. Because all knowledge is, 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 is knowing the truth. Wisdom is taking that truth and turning it into action. It, it should be an equal balance there, I believe. But too often, we, we say, let's just start another group. Let's just start another group. Let's just, you know, and, and again, those things can be very helpful and very good But if that's all we're doing, then we just know a lot. Whether we like it or not, um, we are part of a very large community of believers throughout the world. And we are on display for the world to see. I need you to hear this this morning because we're not on display so that people would see us. 
It's not about us. But so that they would see Jesus through us and through the way that we love and serve others. Starting right here. Starting with God's people. The question is not whether or not will the church, will the world notice us. That's not the question, whether or not they're going to notice us. The question is, when the world looks at us, will they see love and care for one another, or will they see something else? Will they see a people who just knows a lot? Will they see a people who keeps ministry confined within the walls of a building? Or will they see a group of people that have been radically transformed, radically changed because of who Jesus is and because of what he's done? Our first example in how we should serve others is found in Jesus. And this time of year is a great time to get back into one of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We're going to do an Advent reading closer to Christmas where we go through Luke again. But that's really where we learn about Jesus, the life and ministry of Jesus. Start in the book of Mark or or Matthew today. Go home and just start reading. Because our first example is, is found in Jesus. Also, living in freedom, it means serving others well. We can say that we're believers, but if we live according to our sinful nature, we're going to do things that are for my wants and and my needs. And Jesus says, no, you're supposed to die to yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. We die to ourselves. We die to the things that maybe we want, and we live for the things that God wants. We're supposed to live lives that are led by the Holy Spirit. And finally, God is glorified when we love and serve others well. We, again, we don't serve others just to promote us. To say, hey, come to this service or be part of, of this gathering. We certainly want that, but we serve others so that God is glorified. So that people would get an accurate picture of who Jesus is. Galatians 5.13 says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Because of Jesus, we have been set free to live free in Christ. Amen? Let's be a church that exercises that freedom to be led by the Holy Spirit to serve others well.